This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So today, we're here on Easter. And we're not just alone, really around the world today. Christians will gather to celebrate this day. And oftentimes it's a a celebration. And I want to just kind of tell you today that Easter isn't simply a celebration of the resurrection. It's honestly not that simple. Oftentimes we celebrate historical facts. That's why you celebrate your birthday. Because you can lock into the day that you were born. And you celebrate that each year. But the moment of Easter is a little bit bigger than just a celebration. As a matter of fact, I'd tell you this, that Easter is an invitation to experience the resurrection. It's an invitation to experience the resurrection. I think that that's exactly what the Bible was looking at in Romans 8, where the Apostle Paul penned these words, that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. That that Spirit that hovered over Jesus as his mortal body lay dead in the the tomb that had been borrowed for three days, as he was there and that spirit that brought him back to life is now alive in you. And I love how the verse continues. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. There's a reality that's present in that verse. I want you to notice this with me. So he will give life. In other words, he'll bring you back to life. But do you realize that the only way you can read this verse is if you're alive? Which means that you can be alive and dead. And maybe you're here today. And you know that that's where you are. Because when you examine your life today and you think about where you are and the person that you are, you know that there's a gap that exists between the person that you're supposed to be and the person that you are. There's a gap that exists between where you're supposed to be in life and where you are right now. And the resurrection, look at this, the resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to close the gap between the life that you're living and a life that you could live. It gives us the power to close the gap. So I want to explain that gap that exists between where you are and where you should be. The gap that exists between the person that you are and the person that you should be. That gap is simply called sin. It's sin. It's disobedience. It's rejection of God. It's sin. And sin, in every form, invites death into your life. 
Some of you have experienced death in relationships. Some of you have experienced death in your finances. Some of you have experienced death in the most significant dreams that you've ever held on to. Because death exists in that gap between where you are and where you should be. Where you are and where you could be. And the story of Jesus, this gospel that has been preached for thousands of years, is the story of God giving you a victory that you could never have earned or made happen on your own. See, on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. He overcame sin and the grave so that we could overcome the gap that exists between who we are and who we should be. So I want to ask you a question today. What exists between those two places? Many of you have been through this before. Maybe you've decided to get healthy. Maybe you've been in a relationship that failed and you decided we're going to keep working on it. We're going to start making this better. The, the truth is that often God directs us instead of to a moment of victory that God swoops in and sprinkles magic spiritual dust over our lives and everything gets fixed in a minute. God invites us into a process. God invites us into a process. So I want you to think about this question with me. Why would God, why would God take three days to defeat sin and death? Why? Why would he take three days? You, I mean, as soon as he was dead, and taken limp and lifeless off the cross, God could have resurrected Jesus, and in a moment, victory could have been ours. Why is it three days? See, I think that the answer to that lies in 1 Peter 2. Look at this. Verse 21. This is the kind of life that you've been invited. Notice, invited into. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know, look at this, how it that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. I, I, I want to submit to you today that those three days, that Friday and that Saturday and that Sunday, describe for us a process of overcoming and resurrection. And today what I want to do is to spend time looking at each day so that we can understand step by step the invitation that God has leveraged for you to step into the resurrection that God wants in your life. See, we believe in this so much as a church that maybe you've been to church before and your experience at church was that you came in and, and, and church was a place where you got beat up. And, and the, the truth was leveraged in a way where it felt so out of reach and there were big topics that were talked about that you had no idea what to do with. It, for us, we want church to be a place where you come and you feel built up. And as we talk about things, we always want to talk about the next step because we believe that God often invites us into a process. Into a process. He doesn't fix things, and, and I don't think God fixes things immediately because if he did, we would never value it the way that we do when we walk through the process. 
So let's look at those three days. And I want to describe to you what those days represent in our lives. The first day is Friday. And Friday is a day of pain. It's a day of pain. And some of you today, you're, you're in a season of pain. This has been a, a, a time where, where there has been all kinds of things that have been coming at you. And I, I just want to remind you of something. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says something very curious to me. It says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. The, the Son of God learned what obedience is like. How did he learn what obedience was like? By suffering. And the truth is, is that God uses, not causes, God uses the pain that we have in our lives to promote his purposes in our hearts. I like to think of Friday as a season of war. Because there are times that we'll go through where the enemy and our adversary will come against us. He will come against us through other people. He will come against us through circumstances. And if you're quite honest, he will come against you even in your own heart and your own desires. It's a season of war. A season of war. See, Friday is a day of pain, especially when you think about that Friday for Jesus. Jesus knew all kinds of pain that Friday. He knew physical pain. He experienced physical, the cross is one of the most gruesome executions ever recorded in history. And think about this, why would God send his son to pay the penalty by dying? Why would he send him in the height of the Roman Empire? Where even today, that kind of inhumane execution is outlawed as a war crime worldwide. I mean, if Jesus were sentenced to execution right now in our state, it would be by what? Lethal injection. But in his day, it was a crucifixion. He was scourged right before that, beaten so many times that many men who had suffered what he did died simply from that. And then he hung for hours on a cross in an agonizing, he knew physical pain. And if you're here today and you're in the season of physical pain, I just want you to understand that God sympathizes. He understands your pain. But it wasn't just that. We often just look at that. Jesus experienced emotional pain. Just even in that day, didn't he? I mean, the scriptures would tell us that in one day, Jesus was despised, rejected, and betrayed. That crowds would yell for his execution. He was despised. That his own people that he had given time to and devotion to, that they would reject him and deny their relationship with him. And even his closest, one of his closest friends and confidants would betray him into his death. If you're here today and you've experienced those, I just want you to know that Jesus identifies with you. He experienced that too. But not just that, I think Jesus also experienced relational pain. 
The pain that can only come from loving someone and having been wounded by them. I mean, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted and tried in every way, just like we were. You ever thought about that? He was an adult male. He was an adult male in a very promiscuous era. And you think that maybe God doesn't understand the temptations that you're struggling. I want you to know today, especially if you're a single person here, that he does. I shared that one time and I came out shaking hands and old boy came up and said, but you know, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be married though. He doesn't know what it's like to come home to my wife. Really? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, she just, man, she nags me all the time, always asking me for something to do. And, you know, I'm trying really hard. I just don't feel like I can keep up. Jesus won't ever be able to understand that. I thought, buddy, you might want to think about that. Because the Bible says that we as the church are the bride of Christ. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, there are a lot of days that as his bride, I cheat on him. I guess you're probably there too. See, Jesus knows what it's like to be cheated on as a spouse. He knows what our pain is like. And I want you to see this verse out of Romans chapter 8. Look at this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Leave that verse up there for a second. Notice that it says that he causes everything to work together. It doesn't mean that he causes our pain, but he causes our pain to work towards a purpose. Because when we allow our hearts to have a gravity to his, when we begin to seek him, all of a sudden, I want you to see this about our pain, there is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. There is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. That means that he can take that thing that is difficult and turn it into something that is good. So Saturday was a day of pain. So what was Saturday? Or Friday was a a day of pain. So what was Saturday? Saturday to me was a day of confusion. I think it's interesting that just days before all this went down, Jesus told his disciples what was about to happen. All right, y'all, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be crucified. Then I'm going to be put in a, kind of in a tomb. And then three days later, I'm going to resurrect. And then what happens? Exactly what he said. Exactly what he predicted. And in the middle of this whole story, they got confused. You know why? It happens to you too. In the middle of a stressful season following pain, it's so easy to get confused because it's a season of waiting. Pain is often the invitation to start the process. God uses it as he redeems us to step into a new process of growing and becoming stronger and working on things. But see, something happens in a process, and you need to pay attention to this, that there is no process that's instantaneous. And when it's a process, you can't cheat the process. So Saturday represents a a season of waiting. A season of waiting. 
And see, there's something interesting about waiting to me. You know, we can wait in faith. And when we wait in faith, knowing that God has begun a good work, that he's going to carry it on until it's completed. When we're in the middle of that tension, all of a sudden our hearts are drawn to him. And there's a gravity to him. And our relationship and our intimacy with God grows. But when we wait in fear, you know what happens? We get confused. When we wait in, in fear instead of faith, we, we get confused. And so I want to point out a few things that happen when we start to wait in, in fear and we start to get confused. One of the first things that happens is we want answers. We want answers. Something's happened. It was painful. It was difficult. And we start asking questions. God, why did this happen? God, why did this happen? Why would you let me go through this? Why, God, why? And I've said this before. I just want to remind you of this, that when you ask the wrong question, you always get the wrong answer. And in seasons of waiting, why is not always the best question to ask. And here's why. There, I believe that in, in the midst of a time where God is working in our lives, we often really don't have the capacity to understand what he's promoting and doing within us. And if God said, hey, here's what I'm trying to produce, we would try to do it our own. But we start asking the wrong question. And I think the, the better question to ask is, God, what, what are you doing? What, are you, what, what do you want me to do? God, what's the next move? What's the next step? You see, oftentimes when we're asking the question why, we really have this inward need to have all the information. God, I would be okay if, it, if I just understood what you were doing. God, if I could just see all the things and have explanations for everything, I'd be okay with it, God. Can I just tell you something? That it's not faith if you have all the information. It's not faith. The only way it's faith is if there are gaps and you choose to fill the gaps in with, I trust you, God. It's the only way it's faith. And sometimes when we're confused, we start to ask questions that if we're honest, we don't even want to know the answers to. It's happened this past week in, in our house. My, my family just brought back our, our brand new baby. His name is Caden. He's only a week and a half old right now. And so my kids are experiencing baby life for the first time because my daughter is really too young to have remembered it when her brother was born. And so this past week, um, my son, uh, Clayton, who is, is only three, uh, woke up and walked in and his mom was breastfeeding. And, and he asked a question that he really didn't want to know the answer to because he looked at his mom and said, Mom, why is Caden eating your booby? <laughs> and, you know, it was really awesome because I got to listen to my wife try to explain what was happening. And as you can imagine, this has provided a whole new kind of level of confusion in Clay's life. As a matter of fact, I even have a video of that. Would you, would you watch what happened right here? This is so funny. Clayton, what is Katie? Yeah, your milk, your milk on your boobies. Oh, yeah? Do you make milk? Yes. You do? 
That's just confused. Sometimes we ask just silly questions. Here are some silly questions that don't even have real answers to. For number one, why is the word abbreviated such a long word? It doesn't make any sense. Number number two, if if my sweater shrinks when I watch it, wash it, why don't sheep shrink when it rains? Shouldn't that happen? They should be little miniature sheep after it rains. You would think so, right? No, why is a moment when the traffic is slowest, why is it called rush hour? Does that make any sense? Here's a good one. Why is the guy who invests your money called a broker? I don't know. Um, why, why do they call them apartments when they're all stuck together? And lastly, if flying is so safe, why do they call an airport a terminal? <laughs> That's so unsettling, right? It just is. Sometimes we start to ask questions and we're asking the wrong questions. And when we ask the wrong questions, we get the wrong answers. And then the second thing that begins to happen is we start to doubt. Because we don't feel like we're getting the answers that we deserve, that God owes us, that we're entitled to. And we start to doubt God. I want you to see this, that we can, that doubt can simply be born out of an unresolved confusion that's left to fear. Doubt, doubt is born out of unresolved confusion that's left. To, instead of taking the confusion and going to God in faith and saying, God, I have a gap here. I don't understand things, but I trust you. We turn to fear. And all of a sudden, that fear turns into doubt. Some of y'all have been in a season of waiting. You've been in a Saturday so long that you've started to doubt the goodness of God. And some of you, even more than that, have started to doubt the validity of the claims of Jesus. We start to doubt. Then number three, we give up. We give up. It happened to several of Jesus' followers the next day. One of them, the one that betrayed him, took his own life. He gave up. The one that denied him quit the ministry. Sold out, went back to his old job. They gave up. And lastly, number four, what happens when we're in a season of confusion, we feel alone. And there are many of you that are in this. I want you to pay attention to me very clearly right now. There are many of you that are in this room right now that constantly over and over again, you have a nagging voice inside your, your spirit, inside your heart that keeps telling you that you're alone. That you're alone. God, there's nobody there for you. You're alone. I want you to learn to recognize that voice because that voice is a liar. It's a liar. And whatever that voice is telling you is lying to you. You are not alone. And what happens in a season of confusion, in a season of waiting, what oftentimes happens is out of fear, we run away from that season. We run away from that circumstance instead of letting our hearts be drawn to God in worship. I love Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, David commissioned the psalm to be written, and, and it kind of opens with a lot of complaining because there were some difficult things that were going on. And Psalm 73, verse 16 says this, When I tried to understand all of this, 
It troubled me deeply. And there are some of you that can identify with that verse. There's a lot of things that you've been trying to understand. And the more you try to understand it, the more troubled you feel over it. The more trying that you put effort, you put effort into it, trying to get something out of it, and just thinking about it, pondering it, just letting it roll around. And the more troubled you feel because you're seeking answers on your own. But look what the very next verse says. I was troubled deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood. So I want you to see this about confusion today, that there is no confusion that his presence cannot come. There is no confusion that his presence cannot come. What a powerful powerful reality today. So Friday is a a day of pain. Pain often is the invitation to step into the process. And then Saturday represents a season of waiting. And so there's a time in between when God starts it and when we get to experience what happened on Sunday, because Sunday is a day of resurrection. And some of you today, you're You're in a season of pain. You're in a season of waiting. And this season has been difficult for you. You've been constantly, maybe just like that psalmist, trying to figure things out. And it's become more confusing and more frustrating and more difficult. But I want you to know that if you're in a season of pain, you're in a season of confusion, that's not the end of the story. That Sunday ended with the resurrection of Jesus and a victory over sin and death. God didn't leave his son in the grave. He defeated the greatest enemy we would ever face. And that same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave now lives in you. So if I were going to describe the season that Sunday represents, it's a, a season of winning. And I just want you to find confidence in the fact today that God wants you to be a victor and to win. His design for you is not that you would stay defeated, but that you would overcome. And the way that we overcome is found in one simple word. It's Jesus. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.